Welcome everyone to the last self-help podcast. I'm your host, Ray. And I'm Debbie Ann. And we are so thrilled that you're here today with us when we are ready to go deep on reality. Are you ready? We have Mm -hmm. today on the show, Cynthia Sue Larson. She is the author of Reality Shifters and Quantum Jumps and also has the website realityshifters.com. Welcome Cynthia Sue Larson to the last self-help podcast. Oh, hello, Ray. Hello, Debbie Ann. Little do they know what it took us to get here. (laughs) (laughs) But what opportunity we have. So, you know, the reason we we are diving into this sort of tongue in cheek, but also, you know, specific understanding of that self-help comes from within and that it is our internal consciousness and what we do that influences our reality. I wanted to use this opportunity to speak to an expert about really what we mean when we talk about reality. So I'd love for you to, to tell our listeners just a little bit about some of your background and maybe how you've balanced some of the scientific and some of the spiritual ideas about what do we mean when we talk about the nature of reality. How's right. that for a question? <laughs> good, good starting point. Yeah, I'll start. I'll give a little background on myself. And I, I did study physics. I've got a physics degree from UC Berkeley. And um, that's important to keep in mind because that means I'm grounded in the foundational science. Nowadays, everything is quantum this, quantum that. But I've been a, a passionate student of quantum physics since the 1980s. So I've been really looking deeply into this. I got very interested in the mind-matter interaction side of things after going through a kundalini awakening, which just means a lot of energy rushed through my body. And I got, I saw lots of synchronicities, like 111 on the clocks, 222, 333, and then a whole bunch of really, really weird stuff, but good stuff. And um, that's when I basically started my career writing books about mind-matter interaction, um, what you might call reality shifts, quantum jumps, and now people know about the Mandela effect. Uh, But of course, you are familiar with the law of attraction. Uh, A lot of people have heard about that through, um, you know, just for decades, really. And that's what I've been writing about as well. Before it was called law of attraction, I was studying why is it that sometimes things just spontaneously change? And I was literally witnessing large scale things appearing, disappearing, transforming, and transporting, not just synchronicities, uh, remarkable healings, you name it. So I've just been tracking this, but from a physics side point of view. So you asked two questions. That was the first one of who am I? What am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm here because that was my childhood dream to understand the true nature of reality. And so that really is what got me into physics, got me specifically into quantum physics, and where I started discovering what I suspected to be true, which is it's consciousness that seems to be the real author and the creator of physical reality as we know it. And that would be true as to all of the quantum physics founding fathers, um, you know, everyone from Max Planck, who coined the term quanta, uh, to... Erwin Schrödinger, and uh, just just all of the amazing people that have been involved in this field. Some of them I, who I personally know. Wow. 
Um, it would be really easy to get real nerdy on this podcast because um, I have something in common. In the 80s, I was an engineer. I went to engineering school, so I did a lot of physics and chemistry too. But I just want to point out to people that it's not this or that. It's not we're not pitting, you know, traditional science or Newtonian physics against quantum. It's it's just different perspectives on reality, right? Yes. And I think that's what is, I think I talked to Ray a little bit, and I think that's the main thing we'll be focusing on today is how those two go together. She brought up something in particular, but I'd like people to notice, yes, pay attention, because we will be talking about this classical physics and the quantum, what the differences are and why it matters. I'm always intrigued about this balancing between, you know, the science and the spirituality. I mean, I'm an armchair quantum fan. <laughs> I mean, I, I really know just enough to get into trouble um, about understanding the nature of how waves become particles and back again and the nature of energy. But I, I think there it's important to have sort of a fundamental grasp of how things appear through, become matter, if you will. And, um, and again, you know, as Debbie said, we don't have to get too nerdy on it, but I do think that a sort of a basic understanding of how consciousness impacts the material world would be great from your perspective if you feel like you've you've got an elevator pitch on that. <laughs> right. Well, I think the classic experiment, it's considered the most elegant experiment in all of science. This is not just physics, not just quantum physics. I think it's received, if you could get like the Oscars for scientific experiments, this one would win. And it's called the double slit experiment. It was originally proposed as sort of a Gedanken experiment, thought experiment, and then subsequently has become the darling of quantum physicists everywhere <laughs> because there's so many variations of it. But the simplest version simply consists of a particle um, emitter, which is basically sending out, you can imagine one little photon at a time. That's like if your flashlight could send out one little light particle at a time. So you can imagine someone holding this fancy flashlight. It's just shooting one photon at a time. Um, it's it's aiming it sort of at a screen or a wall. But in between the little photon flashlight emitter and the wall or the screen happens to be something in, in between. And that is basically the two slits. In other words, it's like a, you can think of like a piece of cardboard with two little narrow doorways cut into it. And you may wonder, why is that there? Well, if you've ever looked at the kind of diffraction patterns or the ripples on a pond, let's use that as an example. If you've ever sat at a pond and thrown rocks into a pond or pennies into a fountain, then you might notice that you get these concentric circles that move away from where the pebble or the penny entered the pond or the fountain. And so when you've got two pennies hitting the fountain at the same time, then you've got two concentric sets of circles creating diffraction patterns. So you've got constructive and destructive interference occurring. So some of the waves get um, higher and some get lower, and you end up with this interesting pattern. That is the reason for the two slits um, in between the photon emitter and the screen or the wall. So that's the, that's the experimental apparatus. And then what, where it gets, okay, that's now it gets really interesting because physicists like to study things. They have an assumption that you can be an objective observer. Quantum physics is about to shake all that up, but let's stay with the course here. So the observer decides whether they're going to be looking at just the screen and what happens when the photon fires through those two slits. Um, they expect it would might go through one or the other slit and you'll see, um, you know, like a little spot of light on the screen. 
Uh, what they notice is that when they fire one photon through and they don't have any detectors on the in-between screen, but just on the, the wall and the, 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 you know, ends up showing the light, they'll get a diffraction pattern when just one photon at a time is fired through the two slits, um, which is pretty bizarre. So then they want to know, okay, why is that happening? Let's put a detector in one of the little slits and see which one the photon is going through. When they do that, no more diffraction pattern on the wall. Now it looks like someone played paintball and, and they just were aiming through those narrow slits and every, you know, when it goes through, creates little splats right behind those slits. And that's, okay, the, the weird thing about this is, and this is where it gets really bizarre, uh, it looks like quant the quantum particles understand when they're being looked at and when they're not being looked at. Oh, isn't that just everything right there? It is. I mean, if the nature of our entire reality is made up of these light particles and everything shifts on the observation, why isn't this the only thing we're ever talking about? Right. Because <laughs> we've been taught to react to what's already created, and, and that's what we tend to do. Even us conscious creators, we forget, right? We go back into that reactive mood rather than creative. Exactly. Um, but it's the observer effect. It's what we observe into reality. Like in my household with my husband, we'll, we'll talk this language to each other. Like if somebody's going into a negative story, we might say, I wouldn't collapse the wave on that. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. It's so important because I think a lot of times, you know, when Debbie and I get into these sort of what we can call woo-woo concepts of watching what you think and say and feel because it's having an impact. It's really not woo-woo anymore. It is It is deeply in science. That's and I right. think that's the exciting part because now there is a beautiful story being told, weaving, you know, through the metaphysical and uh, and we know it is energy and, and moving those patterns. There's no, there's no uh, averses anymore. It is more of a weaving effect of, of how we play with these tools. Exactly. And I, I'm so excited because last year in 2019, um, as you know, I've been studying mind-matter interaction, looking at these reality shifts. And one of the things I've been getting from the field, from reports, firsthand reports of people sending their um, experiences in to me over the last 22 years is that, and these are from around the world where they notice things appearing, disappearing, transforming, etc. Um, is that sometimes you'll one person will observe something, but another person who's also there does not. I love that. That's my favorite part about all this weirdness. Yeah, it's super like, weird. <laughs> you know, you know Dolores Cannon. She's the author of the Convoluted Universe books and the right? the founder of QHHT, the Quantum Healing Hypnosis. Well, she said years ago uh, she was doing a radio show and one of and then at the last minute the radio station canceled it and substituted a different show. And some of her listeners actually tuned in and heard her on the air at that time. And some tuned in and heard the other show. Right. <laughs> well, I've been reported dead and um, by reliable sources. <laughs> now, that's called being inside the Mandela effect. Because if you've heard of Nelson Mandela, some people yes. remember that he died. And if you live in South Africa, probably never do remember that he died until just a few years ago. But for, for a lot of people that don't live in South Africa that are farther away, like myself and a bunch of other people throughout Europe, they do remember that he passed away sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, around there. Anyway, I'm not sure exactly when, but a lot of us were stunned to see he was alive. And he's not the only one, but he's the one that the entire 
effect gets named after. And that's interesting because when I said I, I was dead, it, this happened to me a few years back, I, I caught pneumonia and I did almost die. And I only told my parents, my sister, my husband, my daughters, and maybe one close friend that that's how close I came to dying. I did not broadcast this. I didn't mention it. And then I, just um, a couple years later, someone contacted me and said, wow, it was his name is Steve Boucher. And he said, I know this may sound weird, but I remember that you passed away. I'm so glad you're alive. But I just, <laughs> you know, sorry to say something so weird to you. And I said, no, that's cool. In fact, let me um, let me do a survey and check with people and see who else might remember that. And what do you remember? So he told me. Um, it turned out to be exactly the same time and reason of death and, you know, just all the details lined up. And he did not know that I almost passed away of pneumonia. And it would have been after a long illness, um, this, which is what he'd heard. He'd seen my husband make a post on Facebook to that effect. So the whole thing seemed quite likely true. And several other people had seen other things. So that, that was fascinating just to be, for me to be on the inside of that, to know what it feels like to feel like you're dying and then, okay, not dead, pulled through, thank goodness. And then other people, they notice like, well, I, I've seen that other reality. Glad you're here. Right. And and we have to mention parallel realities because- Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, Debbie. You and I are both on the same page. Just like, that is really, go ahead. Sorry. I get so excited about parallel I realities. I think it's really cool. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I, here's my understanding and I'd love to have Cynthia's take on it or correct me if, if there's something I'm saying that doesn't sound right, but there are infinite, like, and we can't even really understand infinite with our brains very well, but- um, so there are infinite variations on this reality, infinite forking points <laughs> that we can travel through. So some people are tapping into different ones. It's just that we we tend to do a group thing. We tend to like kind of look at the same things and we assume there's only one reality for everyone. <laughs> and the media wants you to believe that sometimes too. <laughs> exactly. But in truth, um, we all have our kind of own personal um, view or our own personal path of reality. We do get entangled with one another, and so we can act as an entangled group, um, a group of friends, a group of like-minded people, a group of light workers, a group of people asking my favorite question, how good can it get? You know, that, that will we'll go together in a different direction than other people might be experiencing. And the thing I was getting to that was so exciting in 2019 I teased about it and I didn't go all the way there. Um, basically, a scientific experiment conducted in partnership between a university of uh, Austria, Vienna, Austria, and Edinburgh, Scotland. They collaborated and showed without any doubt that two observers at that double split slit experiment we just talked about, two observers at the same place, same time, are capable of seeing two different things. And they showed this in a laboratory experiment in 2019. That should have been the news of the year, like the news of the decade. Right. I mean, I, I was, I was, yeah. What else is there? What, I mean, I think what it, what it, a lot of folks, um, you know, get to that point where it also becomes a little bit overwhelming in then how we participate in moving in and out of these realities. And I think sometimes there might be a closing down of that knowledge because we're not quite up to speed onto, if I know this, then what, right? Um, how am I going to get up and brush my teeth? 
in this, how am I going to do the things I need to do? So I, I think that we're getting, uh, you know, evolved into being able to manage this information. But for those of us on sort of the bleeding edge of really wanting to go deep and bring me more, I think it starts to feel more like a continuous storyline, but we're just popping in and out of these parallel universes. I don't know if you saw the movie yesterday. Did you happen to see that? Yes, yes. I saw it. Isn't I did. I love that. I love it. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, essentially the guy wakes up in, in, a, in a parallel reality where everything is exactly the same. Well, mostly exactly the same, except for except. the result. No Beatles. There was never the Beatles and hence the title yesterday. And there's quite a journey there. And and I think we've all kind of had those experiences in one way or another where we should have died and we didn't, <laughs> like you're saying, and we popped into another experience. And um, one of the other channels that we like to speak to, his name is Frank Butterworth, and he channels the communion of light. And he talks a lot about this. And I had talk to him about this one experience I had where, you know, it was like an accident where the gas, the tanker truck must have hit us. There's no way that we could have survived that. And yet we ended up on the other side of the road perfectly fine. And he had said, oh yeah, you, you died in that reality and you just popped into this other one. Right. I never quite got over that. (laughs) We're good. You don't want to get over it. You want to remember it because it's, it's magical and that's what we are in a way. I mean, we are just pure consciousness and these reality frames I mean, the contents of them are constantly changing. I, I thought it was infinite, but I talked to Bashar about it and he said, no, it was a finite amount. It was plank time, you know, so many frames per second if, that we're looking at, reality frames. So it's kind of like those little books that we used to get as kids where you you kind of um, pull the pages really fast and it turns into a movie. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a film strip. Like a flip book. A flip book. Thank you. That's what they're called. So it's actually, we're shifting through reality frames like a, a large number per second. You probably know what that number is, Cynthia. <laughs> Plank time. Well, th- this this gets into that same thing we wanted to talk about going back and forth. And also Ray touched on it with that whole idea of, um, you know, wanting to make sure that we're up to speed. Some of us are going through and evolving and we want to engage with this stuff really soon. Some want to take their time. And the whole business of feeling like you could have died in that truck accident. I want to say something about that. That turns out to be one of the top experiences that a lot of people have. Sometimes up to 5% of an audience of hundreds of people will come up to me afterwards and tell me that happened to me and I've never told anyone because they just feel so freaked out about it. And I do include examples in my book, Quantum Jumps, about that. So Ray, you're not alone, but it takes courage to say that. Because it can feel so weird to feel like, okay, that should have happened. I should have killed us. That tanker truck, that thing was big. There's nowhere we could have gone. It was, you know, would have been over. But like going back to your flipbook idea, um, Debbie Ann, that's really important. And as far as how many frames per second, I don't know that we can absolutely say for sure we know that. I know we want to. To, to get really clear and say like, oh, it has to be this many frames per second. I think anytime we do that, we're giving ourselves an artificial sense of security. Like we know something, but I'm not sure we do. Uh, what I'm saying is that, yes, we have the, the Planck scale and we have Planck limitations, but um, I don't know that there's ever going to be a, an absolute number of, you know, how many possible realities there are. And I don't think that matters. I think we're focusing on the wrong thing. What really matters is what do we choose? 
And are we aligned with that choice? Because that's the key. You know, most people uh, don't tend to align their, their head, their heart, and their gut and all parts of themselves with what they're intending. And that's where things can go a little wonky. Unless you're facing possible annihilation, it all lines up and you can just jump right out of that. And that's what I did when I almost died of pneumonia. I realized what was almost killing me was fear and I jumped out of it. And I think you can do the same thing even with an oncoming tanker truck. Do you remember what that experience was like? I mean, do you have a conscious feeling of what it felt like to choose again? Yes, because um, I've done it many, many times. I, have, I just haven't heard from other people on the other times I've almost died. So it's something that I'm familiar with in this lifetime. I've had many close brushes with death. But um, what was unusual was just having someone out of the blue write to me. <laughs> you know, I've had a couple of those experiences, too, where I probably did die and come back. I just didn't have that full-on near-death experience, that dramatic thing that people have. But same as Ray, I had a, a car accident, which was impossible. <laughs> it was literally impossible, where I see the truck grill two inches away, and then I merge unscathed somehow. And then I drowned once almost, and I probably did. You know, So it, it's just, um, we just reset. We just jump into a different frame. I think that these things sound outrageous if you put a lot of importance on being incarnate, being physical versus non-physical, but it's really just a continuum in my view of, of the world. It's just, we're non-physical all the time. We slip in and out of the physical. Right. And that's what, um, this is what I wanted to talk about because before the show started, before Debbie, before you joined us, Debbie Ann, Ray was mentioning that we are manifesting, we are creating. Um, and sometimes there's sort of this nature of reality, which has with it a part of like higher knowing. And you can feel also um, that you can be an influencer. So there's that trade-off between being inside of the receiver of what's being created and then being an extremely active participant. And um, I, I like to look at the two aspects of that because I think it ties in with that daily brush your teeth reality where you're just going about doing your daily activities and and then when you get more into this reality shifting daydream state of mind which is um like being pure energy um it's very creative but it's also very fluid so there's um it's kind of like becoming one with the Tao, like you are um not just the yin or the yang but you're sort of joining with the whole thing so it's um it, it feels like you're riding that wave but it's not a wave it's more like it's it's like an active creative force that already exists and that's where we all come from and if you're a Taoist you call it the Tao if you're a Christian you'd probably call it something else like the Holy Spirit you know every spirituality tradition has some name for it um, but we know it's real and we can feel it now, this is really important what you're saying here because in in Abraham speak you might call it the art of allowing and so the question is, you know, how much of, of our choice of reality frames, what we end up experiencing is coming from the conscious mind? How much are we consciously <laughs> controlling versus just allowing and our higher guidance takes over? Because when both Ray and I had those different incidents that would have been a, you know, car wreck, I don't, I don't think we felt consciously in control of it. It just sort of happened to us. Isn't that right, Ray? 
Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that because we can all agree that this is a hyper movie, the question is, how much am I directing and how am I, how much am I just enjoying the narrative that's happening to me? Right. You know, Thank and, you. and I think that it, it's different strokes for different folks. I don't, it feels like some people really want to get in there and noodle with the script and other people just kind of want to lean back and react to what happens. And I, and I kind of want to reserve judgment that there's really no right and wrong. But I think for those of us who do want to get in and noodle with the colors and, and and have fun with managing it, it is good to kind of know the tools of the trade and to understand what it feels like to consciously participate in what's happening. Although there, again, there is no kind of winning here. It's not because when I first got into law of attraction, I did it because I wanted to avoid problems in my life. But what I since evolved, you know, from, from a spiritual standpoint is those very problems are the juice and the drama and the interest from which I came to be physical. So now it's more like when it does happen and things are happening in a direction that I may not want to go in, how am I participating in that if I want to? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been looking at this because we're going through this whole coronavirus and today I just posted a blog post and did a YouTube video talking about um, you know, because people are wondering why is this happening? And I wanted to point out it's possible to thrive at the time of the coronavirus. And in this um, in this whole discussion, I, I, I really see that the world looks very different when you're in one of these two states of mind. You could think of it um, as being caterpillars and butterflies. And also, like in our discussion today, we could think of it as just regular classical physics and quantum physics. They're, they're both valid. They both work, um, but they both work differently. And so it's possible to get through this whole, any kind of crisis with either frame of mind. There's, I, I agree with what you're saying. There's no right or wrong, and it's different for different people. But having said that, it's also possible to, to not be tied down by the drama when you do move into the awareness that you are the observer of your thoughts and feelings, and you move into that creative consciousness, which is a lot like lucid dreaming, where you know that you're intrinsically connected to others, you're entangled with others in ways that can't be measured, yet which are the basis for meaning, value, and purpose in our lives. And this frees us from that egoic fearfulness that we might otherwise feel when we're just looking at what we can measure. We're looking at whatever they're reporting on the news with whatever numbers they're showing and graphs. That can be scary. So, you know, if, if you get kind of tied up in the the harsh, the hard, cold facts, um, that's the physical, you know, classical reality. It is actually possible to jump to other realities. All three of us have done it, and probably most people listening to this podcast know what we're talking about, too. You know, Abraham talks about this word, and again, we're talking about Abraham Hicks, um, channeled by Esther Hicks. They talk about this word contrast a lot um, to mean things happen that we may not want. And then we have a rocket of desire for something else. And then we line up with that something else energetically and it physically comes. They talk about this as the creative process. And I think contrast is such an interesting word. And I've come to really love it that we came for the contrast. We came for the diversity. And as you said, if the mind doesn't judge it as bad or good, but through the observer, it gets interesting, right? It is, how do we know what we want until we have what we don't want kind of thing, <laughs> sort of that basic conundrum. And it, But it becomes a particle of creativity that some of us go into the spiritual life to try to avoid 
because we are going to just be, you know, on the mountaintop peacefully meditating. And other of us feel like, well, it's going to happen. Things are going to quote unquote go wrong. Here we are, you know, elephant in the room, this big change going on with COVID-19 and, and this pandemic. And yet the contrast is serving us. The question for me is, where am I putting my attention in what's gone wrong or what's going right because of what went wrong? Yeah. It's how you, how you perceive it. Like this whole um, pandemic thing, you know, you could you could give yourself a hard time like, why did I manifest this into my reality? You know, why am I part of this? But I think there's a big picture. This is the way I look at it anyway. Like my soul or my higher self has plans that I'm not always privy to. And that's the art of allowing. And then in time, I learn about it, you know. So, I mean, anything that can be considered negative or bad or unwanted could be looked at in a different light and anything that happens to you that's unsavory at the very least um, can help you grow compassion for others. And that's a beautiful thing. That's sometimes what the game is. Depends on the person, right? Everybody's on a different path. Right. And I like to look at the positive even in regard to other pandemics. When you look at the 19... 17 to 1920 um, pandemic that they call the Spanish flu, that was mostly affecting younger people in their 20s and 30s, where they would have um, just this terrible attack on their own immune system, the cyto, whatever, <laughs> you know, I forget the name of the, the problem exactly, but um, it was the kind of very similar to what's happening with our current pandemic, which is affecting mostly older people, mostly with pre-existing conditions. Other people, uh, if if, the, if people are younger or don't have the combination of factors, then they're being spared quite a bit, except for healthcare workers, which is not fair. But But in a lot of ways, it seems like things are better this time around. Plus, we're getting collaboration with all of our scientists, thanks to the internet, who are actually working together, ignoring the boundaries, freely sharing information. Uh, websites that typically charge are dropping their pay gates. They're making the research papers freely available. And that's really cool to see, like academia.edu, edu, that, that website just opened it up for free. They have a whole coronavirus section. And it's not the only one. All the scientists are working together. And that, that's beautiful. It is beautiful. There's a lot of effects like that. I notice people have time on their hands. They actually really were hating their job before this. <laughs> and it's like, well, that is a manifestation. You never dreamed it would come in this way, but you you were calling for something and there it is. You know? Yeah, exactly. So when we look at it that way, we can see maybe collective consciousness called this in uh, for a slowdown, for humanity to have a time out, to really listen to what the earth needs and how are we working together in partnership, all of that. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of positive to this, even though it seems dark. We like to on this show really take things down to like the daily, right? The the sort of experience of being human in, in this time and space. And I was curious, knowing what you know, you know, how do you feel this information influences how you walk through your day? You know, like when you get the email that is disappointing or you have a, a health condition or, or maybe, you know, you win the lottery. I'm just curious, like how does, how does what you know change how you approach daily life or, or does it? 
It does. Um, like this show today, we needed to do some grounding just to make sure all three of us could be in the show because for what, I don't know what was happening, but it seemed like two of us could be in at any given time and we needed all three of us. So we definitely did some energy work um, just before the show started. And it worked. It totally like works. Charm. Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when you both at the time, I see now that you were doing the energy work, it occurred to me to do something other than what I was doing before to get back into the call. So that is what I would say a, a prompting from higher knowing, a matching up with the asking. Um, so this is asking and receiving is kind of an, an interesting dance that we do with this, these, um, these entourages of, of higher energy that, that play with us. So it that's, that's what I think is why you know, self-help looking outside of ourselves is is really oftentimes more difficult and sometimes can add noise because we're often, well, always, we're always guided to what's next and what is right if we can have that intuitive knowing. And sometimes uniquely things that happen to me are that I will get um, multiplicities of package notifications, for example, from FedEx or UPS or whatever. And like one example was um, I got four different notifications by email. Three of the four said, your package has arrived. I went out and looked on the porch and the mailbox everywhere, no package. I thought, oh man, one of the four just said your package is on the way. So one thing I do is I pick which reality do I choose and I quantum Zeno it in. It's kind of like, don't collapse that wave function until you know what you want. Once you collapse, once I choose it, like, okay, I'm choosing. It's only 25% of the emails. It's one of, I don't know why they sent four, but this happens in my world. So I was like, oh, welcome to my world. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to zoom in and narrow the focus. I'm choosing the that this package is still on the way. And I do that all the time. You know, several times a week, there are multiple experiences where I'm choosing which one do I want. And I'm seeing many, many, many possibilities um, unfolding. It's like reality wants to show itself to me. So I see that I'm actually surfing through all these multiplicities of possibility. I love that. And we're big fans of Neville Goddard, who you've probably heard of, who who also is that that sort of artisan of zooming in on the focus and then being all in, um, not telling a story separate from that reality, because then that adds kind of noise to, to the choosing. So there is, and it's not really a fake it till you make it, because that just feels disingenuous. Fake it till you make it feels like you've got one foot in both camps. I think zooming in on and and really allowing another experience is is just telling yourself a new story. Yeah, yeah. That's I just want to make this super practical for our listeners. I mean, it's really just having the audacity to think that you're powerful in some way <laughs> and, and not just accepting the one reality that's in front of you, but opening up to new ones. Like when we had that technical problem earlier you know, we could have just sort of given up on it. Oh, that's the way it is, <laughs> you know, but we said, oh, what can we do to change this? So it's like Cynthia likes to say, how good can it get? You know, you're just, you're conditioning yourself in a new habit to open up to more possibilities instead of the old habit of just collapsing the wave on what you observe with your five senses, right? 
Yes, exactly. And this idea that I mentioned, the quantum Zeno effect, it's it's like um, the watched pot never boils. And it, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> it's true. It's a real quantum phenomenon. It's kind of like the obsessive compulsive thing uh, where you just check, 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 check. Well, yeah, because you, you said the observer effect, right? So when we're doing that, we're just observing the same thing over and over and over again, right? So we have to take our attention away from it. And this is where experienced meditators have a bit of an advantage, just as anybody that does any kind of meditation would have an advantage, because they're able to narrow their focus, lock it down, and just be single-minded in of focus. So they don't let anything dissuade them or shake it, no matter what seems to be happening. And it's uh, I do martial arts also, and it's very much a part of martial arts, that you just have that singularity of focus. If you get distracted, then you... you could lose everything you know you can lose your balance you can lose everything you know you can fall over so if you um, are just focusing on whatever you're doing whether it's a form or uh, breaking a board or whatever it might be you want to be unified all of a singular intention you know locking it in for sure Uh, but with that that constant, it's like a laser beam. It's just sort of like focus, 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 focus on that desired reality that you're locking in. It is, it's it's very different than just um, like, I observed it, now I'm going to go get ice cream and see what's on TV. You know, it's like, that's the difference. Very much so. And, And oftentimes I feel like, well, I could, you know, turn the chocolate into um, being as nutritious as broccoli, or I could just eat the broccoli. Do you know, so I feel like sometimes we might want to work too hard to make things different than they are. And do you find that there is this situation where you can have a singularity of focus, but still you get another surprising reality? And at some point, is there a divine surrender to what, uh, what the outcome is? Yeah, I'm all about divine surrender. That's why I say, how good can it get? And not like, um, I ha- let's have it my way all the time. <laughs> it's it's not about my way. It's more, it's totally about reverence. It's about recognizing that we're hopefully in service to higher calling, that we're in service to each other, that we're being the change that we want to be in the world, that we are bringing all of ourselves to make things better for all that is. Um, These are the things I believe in, and grace and goodness and gratitude and love and kindness. And, you know, all of those things, to me, they do not match up in my world with magical practices where I would pull out some sort of a magical book and cast a spell. No, you know, so (laughs) it's too much work. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. That was beautiful because these quantum weirdnesses, they're so fun, but I find they only happen once in a while in my life and they happen at key points when I'm getting too serious and locking down the current reality. So like something that I had will suddenly disappear. And then I'll be like, I know it was in here and it's gone and then it'll reappear. (laughs) So it's like reminding me to lighten up and loosen up a little bit, but it's, it's not a party trick, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's totally not a party trick, but if you really need it, then that's what I meant earlier about line yourself up. So uh, the the subconscious rules the show on these reality shifts, anything you absolutely need that you also love and you can visualize, then you've got liftoff. (laughs) It's like, everything's all set to go. And it's um, like like I've been in a car that the starter wasn't working. The starter on my car was broken. I'm in a parking lot. I just hear it go, rrr, rrr, rrr. you know, and you turn the key and rrr, rrr, rrr. and it's raining, but I really need it to start. And I know I can. All I have to do is um, 
you know, for this one time, get this to start. And then of course I know I need to fix the starter on the car or get it fixed, but I just want to drive home. Don't want to be in that parking lot in the rain. <laughs> so on times like that, sure. Um, you know, I'm not using a magic book. I just feel like I need the car to start. I love you, beautiful car. I can hear you in my mind's eye starting. I can hear it like it's happening. I can feel it. Yeah. So to make a long story short, I, it worked just to visualize that I need this starter to start. I love the car. I love it starting. I can I can hear it. And I can hear it in my ear. And then sure enough, it starts. Even though the mechanic sitting next to me said, um, no, when, when you hear that sound, it's the starter's shut. I just reminded him, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like you guys said earlier, we're not going to collapse that wave function. You know, I didn't quite say it that way, but we're not locking that one in. But to go hyper practical on this, like I, you know, we're getting ready to move to a new home. And, and so I see a place and it's, it's in, and I actually see it on, on Craigslist. Right. And it's the perfect place. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is exactly what, you know, and I'm feeling myself living there and I'm, I'm experiencing it. it's the right price. It's the right, it's just perfect. It lines up and I'm really just enjoying the journey. And then I call up and they say, oh, sorry, it's been rented. And so <laughs> I used to beat up on myself like, oh, I didn't, I didn't focus well enough. I got, I was, I was not singular. I was split energy. But then I realized the grace of it was like, oh, that was never mine to have. It was fun to get closer to what I want by focusing on the feel of the place and the town and the, and the feel of the experience, but that was never mine to have. And so I think it's just important to not be, you know, metaphysical malpractice on ourselves and say when something goes in a different direction that it was somehow on our, you know, our lack of skill. Right. I love it. I love that. And I, I do the same thing. I I look at something that gets away like that, the one that got away as, um, well, I was looking, it's like when the waiter goes by with a tray of desserts and you didn't plan to get desserts, but then you see them and, oh my gosh, that is the perfect dessert for me. That's chocolate and fruit. I want that. <laughs> and then you ask for it. And then you find out like, oops, that's out. That was the last one that just went by or something. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but, the, but there's a good thing there because now you know how much you love that. And just to love something is almost as good as so-called having it, you know, just knowing how connected you are with what you love. There's there's a graceful beauty to that. Yeah. And and I think it's, it's all about um, allowing. It's that... What was that phrase you used earlier? Divine surrender? That's beautiful because it's different in every case. Like the starter, the car thing reminded me of it. This happened once when I was visiting my mom and um, it wouldn't start, but we ended up taking Uber, which led to a lot of interesting things that never would have happened had we driven. <laughs> so it's just allowing whatever is happening, not resisting it and being more of a partner to your higher self instead of being a tyrant. <laughs> and it really is about play. And I think that's kind of how we want to conclude this discussion is, is that this is a playfulness that we are playing, even when it seems like serious things, there's a lot more going on here than we can perceive with our, our limited scope. And yet we can also tap into this broader experience that, you know, I didn't make the sun come up today, but I know that, 
it did. And there's something more going on. And there's a, a, a releasing to the trust of this dance. And when do I want to step in? And when do I want to step back? And, and they're really, I don't think we can get it wrong. It, we might delay our good, but I don't think we can actually um, miss our boat, as some would say, <laughs> there'll be another ship and another ship. And it just feels, you know, it feels comforting to me to like lighten up about it and yet also have some fun with the skill sets and watch. It's so thrilling to watch the physical universe bend to your consciousness. <laughs> I think some of us who are especially attracted to this work kind of dig that more than we maybe want to admit. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like surfing. I think surfers love the waves. They love to ride the waves. So it's, I think that's what we do too. We ride the waves where, you know, at least I don't, I don't think like I'm summoning the waves maybe, but the wave came for me because I'm surfing on it. And I think that's what we're doing. We're having fun with it. And at least that's how I feel about it. It's a co-creative process. The good news is it's an internal journey to work with how we perceive, how we feel, how we think. And it all lives within, within us, this universe of colors and textures and opportunities that we can play with and that it is this vast amount of opportunity inside of our own consciousness to play with what shows up on this physical plane. So I just want to thank Cynthia Sue Larson. She, again, is the author of Reality Shifts and Quantum Jumps, you can also find her on her website, realityshifters.com. Cynthia, thank you so much for the grounding and the fun and the journey on the way. We really enjoyed this conversation. And the wisdom. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Till next time, be well.